What's up, what's up, what's up, people of CSU? You are listening to Black on the Prowl on 88.5 WCUG. My name is Kenny B, and I'm here with my co-host. What's up, y'all? You already know it's your girl, Lo. And Melly Mel. So today we have our student of the week, Miss Jordan Battle. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> she is here. She um, just recently directed uh, for Color Girl, a lab series for the theater department. She is a senior, and we're just here to talk to her about... Um, her experience in the CSU theater department and directing for Color Girls. So first thing, let's get into our black history fact for today. We are looking at Mr. Benjamin O. Davis Jr. He was the first black U.S. general. He fought in World War I and the Korean War, born December 18, 1912 in Washington, D.C., and he died July 4th, 2002, living 89 years. He was probably Tuskegee Airman. He studied at the University of Chicago before going into the United States military academy at west point now let's get into the news with low all right so today in black news unfortunately maryland congressman elijah cummings has passed away at the age of 68 due to ongoing health issues he was one of the key people investigating president trump and he also served as the chairman of the house oversight and reform committee cummings practiced law and served 14 years in the maryland house of delegates where he became the first african-american in maryland history to be named speaker pro temp he was laid to rest on october 5th at new Song. Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland. In other news, Daniel Pantaleo, the officer that was fired for his actions regarding the death of Eric Garner, is now suing to get his job back. Just to remind you all, Eric Garner was the man who was fatally choked to death after being confronted by officers about allegedly selling cigarettes. Daniel Patello was the officer who initially put Eric Garner in a chokehold. A Staten Island grand jury declined to indict Pantaleo, and the Justice Department said it would not bring federal civil rights or criminal charges against him. Yeah. That ain't no good. <laughs> that ain't no good at all. He he was found not guilty. I mean, he was, but... Unfortunately, it's the law. Yeah. And it's the way that our law system yeah. works. It's, 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 it's the system. It's the system of America. He was found yeah. not guilty, but does he deserve to have his job back? No, not at all. I don't think so. Because I think, like, once you do that and once you put into that image, it's, like, it's kind of over with. Yeah. Yeah. Because even if he does go back into working, just with that being in his history, I feel like that just on an everyday basis, like, going with his colleagues, other cops, and then just interacting with people in, in the community, like, they'll look at him through that, through that lens. So if I was him, I wouldn't even want a job back, honestly. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be more backlash and it'll be harder to go back into it, whether if he's innocent or guilty or whatever. I feel like just going back into the job would be hard after having that in your history. Because you know? all eyes are on you now. All eyes on you. Yeah. You screw up once and you don't got a job again. Exactly. You got to be careful. Mm-hmm. You got to tread lightly. But I think that also covers the training yeah. that officers need because yeah. this situation, it was caught on film. He got caught not doing what he was supposed to do as his job. But there, unfortunately, are cops out there that give officers a bad name in the fact that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing either. They're just not getting caught for it. And it's funny you say you you touch on training because I know that when it comes down to training for police officers, I feel like it's getting a little like, you know, lackluster because I know like South Fulton, they, um, because I'm from Atlanta, I know that they have like a shortage of police officers, almost like scouting, trying to find just anybody, you know, because they was here just a few weeks ago recruiting people to join the force. So I think that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a lack of officers is also a part that plays into that as far as training goes, you know. Right. I think I even remember seeing on the news because I'm from Atlanta, you're from Atlanta. If we see the same mm-hmm. news. But I believe I also even remember seeing like the statistics for African Americans mm-hmm. in those jobs, like firefighters, police mm-hmm. officers, is really low yeah. in a lot of counties. Like I'm from Cobb County, 
Cobb County does not have a lot of black officers or firefighters. Yeah. And it's important that you have officers that you can relate with the people they're serving. So right. have like black officers who are from the community that they're serving in, you know, particular areas. Because I feel like that helps a lot with, you know, different police brutality cases and just anything like that in general. If you have officers from that area who can relate to the people in that area, they mm-hmm. will know how to serve better, you know? Right. So I feel like that's another piece of it. Yeah. Jordan, what's your take on it? Um, honestly, just with what y'all were just talking about, I will say that there's a stigma in the black community about like not wanting to be associated with the cops. Right. So of course that's going to, you know, affect the participation and those who actually want to go that route because they don't want to seem like they're on the wrong side of, of the war, if you will. So, I mean, I think that there is a push for more, uh, people of color, black people specifically in the workforce and in uh, the justice system, like not even just police officers, but lawyers, attorneys, uh, district attorneys, all that. So mm-hmm. I think it's coming. It's just hard to break that stigma for sure. Yeah, right. you got these people out here screaming, F the police. Exactly. You know? Right. And that we got to work on that because while, you know, we have, because every job, you have people who do the job good, people who do the job bad. My granddad, he was a major for the city of Atlanta Police Department for a long time, and he was a good officer. And I feel like we need more good officers like that who are, you know, determined to the job, who are from those communities, who can really help the people out and make sure that people understand that all officers aren't bad. They're not. Mm-hmm. Their primary reason is to help out the community. Absolutely. Right. And you just got, I mean, as a citizen, you have to be careful because you never know what kind of officer you're going to be mm-hmm. approached by. But then as officers also have to realize um, where the climate is as far mm-hmm. as the police go. Mm-hmm. And making sure you're approaching people in a way that is, you know, respectful, respect on both ends. You right. know what I'm saying? Because we have to make sure that people realize that their primary reason is to help. And I think yeah. the main thing is communication. For sure. Communication on both sides. Because I'll say in my personal experience, I won't lie, I do feel like I'm on high alert when I'm around officers. Yeah. But I also feel like when you communicate, you don't feel like that. Yeah. My high school officer, shout out to Officer Davis, I'm a teacher <laughs> in high school. I loved my school officers because I knew them. Mm-hmm. We had conversations. Yeah. I see even the more I'm like, hey, Officer Davis, how you doing? He's yeah. like, hey, how you mm-hmm. doing? How's school going? Everything. I got in a car accident in my school parking lot. Mm-hmm. And I had to call 911 because mm-hmm. I couldn't get out of my car. Like her, I'm in a sedan. The person who hit me was in an SUV. Yeah. Their car was on, like on my car. I couldn't mm-hmm. get out. So I had to call 911. Officer Davis showed up so fast. I was like, thank the Lord. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I was like, thank you, Officer Davis, because I know you. You know me. Mm-hmm. Like our communication is there. So I feel like when you have the communication with the people who work in your community, yeah. that makes you feel safer. Because yeah. I'm like, if I go back to Powder Springs right now, if I see Officer Davis pull up behind me, I'm like, I'm okay. I know you. You know me. We've right. communicated. I feel secure in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like it's good to have good communication between the law enforcement working in your community. Mm-hmm. Like, communication is definitely key. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I can agree with that. Because yeah. my school officer, um, Officer Mark, mm-hmm. same way. I know him <laughs> real cool. And, I, and I'm glad you said communication because communication is key, but it's also not entirely always what you say, but how you say it. Right. Yes. And um, this was reminded me of just a few weeks ago. Um, 
a situation me and my roommates got into. We went to the movies. It was like oh, late in the you evening. You were telling me about that. Yeah, I was telling you about yeah. it earlier. Um, we went to the movies, and then we came back. We were going to stop it. I had to walk because my car was <laughs> my car was bugging out. <laughs> so we had to walk. So we walked over to Burger King, and this officer walked up. And like I said, it's not what you say, but how you say it. He walked right. up. Like, Can I help you? Let me see your IDs right now. And then he's a white officer. He got his hand on Like I'm scared because yeah. I'm real dark. Mm, right. <laughs> I'm very dark. So I was terrified. Oh, my. Um, and then oh. I think one of the best things in that situation is just do it. That wherever they say, I just got my idea out, and I was just yeah, like, right. "We're students at CSU. We don't. We're not trying to cause no trouble." But at the same time, and the officers, and kind of in his defense, a little bit, he was on high alert because the situation happened across the street at the mall. So mm. we just have to make sure that no matter who, for both the officers and the citizens, when you're approaching somebody, that you approach people in a way you're communicating, and you're communicating in a way that's effective, respectful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then as citizens, just complying because at the end of the day, everybody want to get out. Okay, you know. Right. right. They have a high-risk job. Yeah. They, they're put in high-risk situations all day. And in all honesty, being black in America is kind of a high-risk situation. It is. <laughs> like, Absolutely. it's very similar. Yeah. So I think just keeping communication lines open and mm-hmm. better training is key. Yeah. Going forward, let's go ahead and get into it with Jordan. <laughs> so, Mel, you got a few questions for her? Hey, Jordan. (laughs) Wait, no, before you start, can I first just say congratulations on all of your success for Color Girls. Thank you so much. We all saw it. and It was amazing. It was phenomenal. I think I cried like five times. I I, I won't even say, I didn't even cry during the show. Mm -hmm. But one of the actresses in the show, Melody Page, I went Mm. to have a conversation with her after. And I was like, oh, you did so good. And it was amazing. And as I'm talking to her, I started crying. Yeah. And I was like, mm. oh, I can't it's, do this. Her I emotional cannot. scale is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Like, yeah. the way she snap. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations. Thank you, you so guys, much. Thank real. you. Mm-hmm. All right, Mel. All right. <laughs> okay. So one of the questions that I have for you is, what were your initial thoughts like going into the CSU theater program? Well, I was actually a bio major coming into college. Really? So, wow. Yeah, this was kind of like the theater department was kind of a whim for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I've been a, I've been a part of theater um, in high school, but it always took a back seat to sports because I played basketball and softball pretty much year round. Like when I wasn't doing something, it was basketball or softball. Right. Yeah. So I constantly had to drop plays, drop musicals because I had a tournament in like North Carolina or Kentucky or something. So I never got to explore that part of my life. So coming into college, like my mom really told me, she's just like, now is the time to figure out what you love and what you want to spend the rest of your Mm -hmm. life doing. Because, I mean, you can always go back, but it wouldn't it be nice to not have to do that (laughs) to get it right the first time. So, um, you know, I came in. I um, saw that they were holding auditions during the summer. And I was like, whatever, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and I came in, um, I was accepted as a BA. And then from there, um, my acting professor, Jamila Turner, she encouraged me yes. to audition for it, right? I love that woman. Yes, <laughs> yes. she um, encouraged me to audition for the BFA program. Okay. And here I am now. Mm-hmm. As they say, the rest is history. Wow, mm-hmm. that's, that's um, crazy. So, so can I ask you, what? What would, what would you tell people who are in other majors who are, like, interested in theater and would want to be a theater major, but I worry about, like, job security because a oh, lot of yeah. my friends. Oh, yeah. Like, what, what would you say to them? Well, honestly, I mean, you don't have to major in it to be a part of it, especially here. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like our department is pretty open to non-majors, and I think that that's something that they actually do well here is include people who are non-majors. Um, so, I mean, if they can find somewhere in the community to get involved, like, it's it's all worthwhile in the end, I think. Having the chance to come see the show, you mentioned that, well, in the introduction, like you mentioned that it was hard to find monologues going into auditions for a black female role and you came across Colored Girls and you performed the Lady in Blue's 
monologue. Yeah. What what grasped you about that? Um, so that monologue is the Save Your Sorries monologue. Mm-hmm. And yes. I feel like as just as a black woman, I feel like we are constantly having crap thrown in our face and then somebody saying sorry about it. Preach. And <laughs> at that point, it's just like, well, if you were sorry about it, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were really sorry, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. And so, I mean, I just feel like that really stuck out to me because just not even in my personal life necessarily, but like historically, we have had dirt kicked on our in our face all the time mm-hmm. and somebody is saying sorry for it and it's just at some point you just can't handle that anymore like what what more can i gain from you saying sorry like right. i got it mm-hmm. great keep it and i love that monologue because yeah. i i even had to correct in myself i wouldn't necessarily do anything that was like that bad mm-hmm. but i would always be like oh i'm sorry my mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm right. sorry. And I had to correct myself because I'm like, what am I sorry for? Yes. Like my like if somebody asked me like, hey, can I have this? And I'm like, I want to say no. I'm like, I really want to say no. Mm-hmm. But I'll feel like a bad person if I say no. So right. I'm like, eh. but then that's like it's affecting me. Yeah. I'm like, I had to really get out of that phase of being like, I'm sorry all the yes, time. Where it's like, I'm not really sorry. I'm telling you exactly. I'm sorry. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm really not. Exactly. Because I, I want to mm-hmm. do what I want to do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. that monologue. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I have a question. Okay, so I understand that you were in intimate apparel. Yes. So did that influence, like, going into <laughs> For Colored Girls? Um, I'm not going to say that it didn't. Um, I, I wanted to do For Colored Girls before I was in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, like, having the opportunity to do a show that was written by a black woman and has black principles like that definitely was a stepping stone to be able to put on for colored girls because I mean I was going to do it regardless mm. like it was going up regardless and that's a great <laughs> mindset to have exactly and I just think that you know Jamila laying out the foundation for people to be introduced to work like that I do think that it opened people up a little bit more like I definitely won't discredit that at all like especially something as raw as for colored girls like it'll it's easy to have it lost on audience because it right. it's so heavy like it people is. tune out to that sometimes so you have to be really careful going into things like that it was beautiful though thank it was. you thank oh you. my gosh and the lighting that was yeah. awesome shout out to Suleiman also. yes the rainbow <laughs> yes. at the yeah. end with all the colors yes oh they did a great gosh. job truly yeah. could I ask with that how do you feel about next what is it, semester next season next, next right. season I'm yeah. yeah. um, putting on uh, milk like sugar how do you feel about that I have mixed feelings mm-hmm. um Yikes. <laughs> I will say when I like first reading the show, it's a little jarring because it, it does seem to be a little bit of a of a caricature of black yeah. people yes. rather than just, you know, holding up a mirror to life as theater is supposed to do. Um, so I feel like going into it, I was definitely wary, um, given our audience. Like we have an audience that is older, that is majority white. And so it's tough to be able to do stuff like that and not consider the ramifications because right. I mean you don't know just how many people of color these people have actually encountered in their life mm-hmm. and if this is the first glimpse that you're giving them then they're automatically going to assume this is how we all live this is how the majority live if that's what we're putting on our stage this is how exactly. we talk this exactly is how we act. Yeah. exactly and I think given the subject matter it is like that is a stereotype that we've been battling for so long mm-hmm. um so of course, I, I was worried about it, but Beth Reeves, she's going to do a fantastic job just hearing about the, the ideas that she has in terms of making it more pro-black to make mm-hmm. it seem like this story is the anomaly and not the standard. 
Right. I think that that is just a beautiful way to approach it. Mm. And I know that with her expertise and with whoever she chooses for mm. that show, I know that they're going to do it justice. Yeah. Mm. But I feel like it will fall more so into the hands of the um, directing and the mm. acting. Right. Yes. Really portray the mm. best message. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It's, it's like I had, I even had mixed feelings about it, like yeah, during right. auditions and everything, yeah. because I'm like, I really want to be a part of a show. Exactly. And this right. is, it's a black show. Like yeah. it's, it's for us. Yep. That's the but chance. then it's like the subject matter. I'm like yeah. conflicted. Yeah. yeah. But I also, Feels like you're sacrificing yourself yes. for it. But then I also, I had to soul search and I was like, mm-hmm. how amazing though would it be to put a play like this up? Right. And to make it better than what it looks like. Oh, yes, yep. absolutely. Yes. Because the subject matter is obviously a, a major issue. It's caused a petition and a, all kinds of other things going on within the CSU theater department. But to be a part of that show and to put it up on stage and for it to be amazing and for mm-hmm. people to not walk away, mm-hmm. having <laughs> that mindset that you assume that they're going to have, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it'd be so amazing to be a part of that. Yeah. It would be. I hear you. Because mm-hmm. our eyes are like clouded with judgment now on mm-hmm. reading it. But we right. never know Absolutely. what the end product's going to yeah. be right. on stage. Right. So I think it's good to keep an open mindset. Okay. So to wrap up with this last question, we know you have a love for theater and we just want to know if there was anything you could change about this theater world now. Yeah, um, I would definitely make it more accessible. Just all around more accessible to the LGBTQIA community, mm-hmm. to the people of color, to the disabled community, everything, people on the learning spectrum, everything. Because I do feel like theaters are constantly stuck in like how they can make the most money. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's more opportunity for education through theater than, than is being tapped into right now. Um, and I think that being in academia, we have that luxury. I just don't think it's being accessed to its full potential. I think that we have a great opportunity to be able to put things up on stage that's going to push push the envelope and teach people rather than worrying about what's going to bring in the most money and what's the biggest hit and what's been on Broadway recently. Right. Yeah. And because we all come from different backgrounds. Everybody's different. Everybody has a different life story. Right. And theater is about showcasing people's lives exactly. so that others can un- better understand each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If we're not communicating with each other, communication, communication <laughs> is key. If we're not communicating with each other, we can't understand each other and right. we can't accurately portray each other. Exactly. exactly. It's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jordan, we thank you for coming in today. Thank y'all for yeah. having yeah. me. Thank, thank, you. So thank much. y'all so much. Yeah, for sharing your knowledge and sharing just your experience so far within this uh, theater department here at CSU. We had a great show. Um, y'all make sure y'all tune in next week to Black on the Prowl. Black on the Prowl was produced by Doria Lacey with the cooperation of the student staff of 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio and the CSU Department of Communications Department Chair, Dr. Gibson. Dr. Bruce Getz is WCUG's faculty advisor. You can listen to this show and other shows on 88.5 FM, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. Just search our call letters, WCUG. 